welcome to Trek Companion. This is episode 151. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I'm Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we are discussing the original series, first season, episodes The Naked Time, The Enemy Within, and Mud's Women. Here we go. The Naked Time, Season 1, Episode 4, Production Code 7, Original Air Date, September 29, 1966. Directed by Mark Daniels, written by John D.F. Black, music composed by Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Bruce Hyde as Lieutenant Kevin Thomas Riley, Majel Barrett as Nurse Christine Chapel, Stuart Moss as Lieutenant Joe Tormolin, William Knight as Crewman 1, and John Bella as Crewman 2. <laughs> The Enterprise arrives in orbit around the dying planet PSI-2000. Though their mission is to observe and document the planet's breakup, they have also been tasked to locate a research team on the planet that has not been in communication with Starfleet for months. A landing party led by Mr. Spock beams down, finding life support systems of the research observation post shut down and team frozen to death in bizarre situations, such as fully clothed in a shower, seated at control console, as if nothing was wrong, as well as one woman who was strangled. Almost as though they were irrational, drugged. An engineer sitting there apparently oblivious to everything, a woman strangled, a crewman with a phaser pistol in his hand. He'd used the computer room as if it were an amusement gallery. And a fully clothed man frozen to death in a shower. If the image wasn't so ugly, it'd be laughable. Okay, the naked time. I'm just going to start, I'm just going to say right up the top here. I think this is the first truly incredible episode of, well, I, the original series, but I guess then by extension, uh, Star Trek. <laughs> Um, I think this episode is fantastic and so good in so many ways and it blows my mind that this was, you know, one of the first episodes <laughs> uh, of, of any television show. It's crazy. So now that I've made my, th- <laughs> my thoughts clear, um, Adam, why don't you start off on The Naked Time? Um, I really enjoyed this episode, too. Um, you know, I, I think we briefly touched on it in the last episode about the music. But I think that's like kind of like the first thing that caught me when, you know, in the beginning of this episode and the in the teaser is just how good the music is and how well it creates the mood. Um, and it's I don't know, I, that, that's the first thing that just caught caught my attention this episode and how the, you know, the sound effects, too. You know, yeah. um, if you're talking about the sound and work and stuff that that hissing sound or whatever for when the disease is getting somebody that's such sure. a thing but it's so effective it's great it's really good i mean yeah this is um you know this you know this episode's so good it's been copied numerous times throughout star trek and even i think it was what the second or third episode in next gen Next-gen. that they, that they yeah. kind of went back to this so i mean you know it's it's fun seeing you know obviously we've seen this like i said we've seen this plot line in this kind of this episode similarly in in numerous star trek episodes um but it's cool to see it the first time and how well they did it right off the bat and why it why this is kind of just this kind of type of episode's been um replicated so many times it is really good i'm i'm in full agreement with you steve yeah I th- um i think it's the fact that you know it, it by its very nature it reveals hidden things and characters you know it's kind of like a um, you know, if you have it early on in a series like this, it kind of um, can show certain vulnerabilities that you might not otherwise see in a character until you get to know them through the character interactions and so forth. And uh, and also, it's of course um, 
from an action standpoint, you know, you have a, a ticking clock, you know, something really bad is going to happen if they don't figure this out. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun and it's very memorable. And yeah, I agree with what's been said here. Well, you know, it does such a, yeah, it's a, such a great job. Like you're saying about revealing all these things with the characters. I mean, I could see how, if you just gave me like a one or two sentence synopsis of this episode, you could be like, well, maybe this won't be as effective because we maybe we need to have already have spent some time establishing these characters. Maybe this will be work work better later in the series, but especially for the sixties, but for original series in general, you know, it's, it's because of the way this episode is done that it, that it doesn't suffer from that. It, 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 it does very well with this structure in this episode, you know, We've had a line or two here or there about, you know, um, Spock's inner turmoil, for example. But, man, you watch this episode and you got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, you know, you really understand Spock. Um, and you understand him in a way that you couldn't otherwise because he's never going to have a conversation about his feelings with anybody. <laughs> you know, right. um, not even his best friend, Kirk. Um, but give him this... Uh, mystery disease and now you've got a, a reason for him to to have this this type of dialogue you know it's, he starts he has that scene with um chapel but then he goes into uh the briefing room by himself and he kind of breaks down and i i think that scene totally works i really do um but actually my favorite scene in this whole episode and the one that works even better i think is when um when Kirk's in there with him, you know, Kirk finally gets the kind of disease, but I love kind of this feeling of, um, you know, um, McCoy doesn't run in and give Spock a shot in the briefing room. It's almost like what helps Spock center himself and get the job done to save the ship. It's when, it's when, you know, he's unable to do it when it's just him that's, that's injured. You know, he, he, he's still, saying thanks to Kirk about his 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 turmoil. Uh, but once he sees Kirk is starting to lose it, it's almost like that is that snaps Sobers him out him of up. it. Yeah, Sobers it does. And that's just that says something to his sense of duty um, and his sense of, you know, um, preservation of the, the crew and the ship. But mostly, I think it says incredible things about his friendship with Kirk, you know, um, because Kirk needs him in that moment, and that's enough to bring him out of that. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's a great scene, especially uh, those moments between um, Kirk and Spock. Um, so we don't just learn about individual characters from this episode. We learn about uh, you know their relationships uh, to one another. Um, I mean, yeah, actually, you know, you know, we'll get you know how episodes hold up. Um... I think this one holds up better too because you know let's say you say you knew nothing about Star Trek and you watch this episode you might be a little bit like what you guys were saying it might be like you might be kind of fuzzy on what's going on but you know going back and watching this episode it, can, it gives you a little bit even a little bit more depth of to me it gave me a little bit more depth of the characters because like you know we, we know them from start to finish and you kind of go back you see this beginning the groundwork for the characters and how they developed and the things that we we see um, throughout the years, um, you know, started in, you know, this episode. You know, their friendship, their their connection. You know, Spock's turmoil, turmoil within. So, it's um, it's to me, it kind of it even works better going back and watching it after you know. Yeah, 
I, I think an, another thing that's great about this episode that, that also helps it hold up is how well it balances um, drama, uh, relationships, love, uh, action, um, mystery. Comp- mystery, yeah, definitely. Uh, trying to figure out the disease and, you know, that awesome scene with the bones. Why is this man dying? Um, uh, and also humor. This episode is is funny. Um, I literally have laughed out loud. I think every time I've ever watched this episode, when Kirk says so calmly, please not again, whenever, um, is it Riley says he's going to sing that song <laughs> yeah. again? Yeah. Yeah. I laugh every time. Um, you know, it's, it's, this episode is, is, is so well-rounded and, and it moves so well. And I think that's a big part of what helps it hold up. There's, there's, there's kind of a lot going on, but not, not too much. And I think that's one thing that, you know, the original series definitely feels different from other series for obvious reasons, the time in which it was made. But, but uh, um, the thing I was thinking about when watching today's three episodes was how different it feels from the other series just because the episodes were longer back then. You know, they had shorter commercial breaks, so the content was longer. You know, the original series is 51 minutes-ish per episode as opposed to beginning of next-gen days were like 46-ish, and by the end of Enterprise, I think they were down to like 41, 42. Um, and I think that... Uh, you know, the original series occasionally, and it's probably just my modern, uh, you know, the modern television consumer in me that feels it. But sometimes I feel the running time of these episodes at 51 minutes. That's all. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I feel that it's, you know, when I'm aware of it, that means maybe it's a little a little on the long side. Uh, but definitely not in the naked time, not for one second. I think it I think it I think it flies by. I think it's very well paced even with all these different things going on. I think you would almost not like, there are people in here that uh, have pretty featured roles, like the guy playing Riley, or I should say the characters that are featured than uh, Riley. Um, for example, um, you might think that he's a main character from watching this. And I, I mean, maybe he could have been, I, I know they were considering it briefly, um, but even watching it now, knowing that he isn't, I'm not bothered by that because it doesn't feel like focusing on him. Um. <laughs> yeah, Sulu had a pretty. Yeah, everybody had a kind of nice little chunk in this. Oh, that scene with Sulu coming yeah, through the turbolift doors with his shirt off and that rapier—that's like iconic. Yeah, and I think there are people that have never watched Star Trek that would probably know what that scene is. <laughs> A lot of iconic stuff in this. I think this is the first uh, neck pinch, maybe. Well, the first time we've seen it, for sure. Mm-hmm. I think so. so is this? I'm sorry, I didn't. Uh, I didn't get in my notes. Is this the episode where um, McCoy rips Kirk's shirt? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there are plenty of episodes where I remember a hypo spray going through somebody's shirt. So he's just ripping it for like you know right. gusto. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he really had to make sure he got his medicine. I mean, it just that yeah, works. <laughs> Everybody's really good in this episode. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, this is another one of those things when you're watching it and you're just like, God, this is a great show. You know, and this is an amazing show. It's like everybody knows their character, and they're like a few minutes, sec- a, a few episodes in, and there is no Star Trek before this. You know, you think about <laughs> it's so simple. Um, 
the way this episode kind of just establishes the way people and, and teams function on the ship or or what the protocol is and all that stuff. It's it's you you certainly feel like, oh yeah, I've been watching Star Trek for decades and and this is how it works. But no, no, there have only been a couple of aired episodes before this, right? Um, when Spot when Riley's acting up on the bridge and Spock tells him to report to Sick Bay and then Spot calls ahead to security to say, hey, make sure he arrives. And then he calls for Kirk up to the bridge. You know, it's very, it's very matter of fact, it's very quick, and it's obviously um, that's their standard operating procedure, you know? Um, and it's just this feeling of this of this real world that existed before this TV show started shooting it, you know? Um, it's so obvious and simple, and we totally take it for granted now. But if you can possibly imagine this being like the fourth aired episode of this show um, of all of Star Trek 50 years ago, that to me is banana pants crazy town. So <laughs> awesome. it's really amazing. Um, and, you know, I know we only had basically um, two, you know, we had the planet set and then, you know, the Enterprise. But oddly enough, I was actually impressed with the the frost set. You know, everything's frozen. Yeah. This, you know, the makeup, the lighting. Like I said, the shower, that whole the, uh, the shower curtain mm-hmm. <laughs> contamination uniforms or whatever those yeah. are. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Except for the, those were those are interesting. <laughs> but I mean, just like the walls and stuff were, you know, the frozen walls and the, the, yeah. the way it was lit, it just was like, wow. You know, this is, you know, this is what it, you know should look like. You know, it just it impressed me for a 1966 episode. Yeah, television. That's I really like the, uh, you know, the the remastered new FX version where you see kind of the place they're being down to the exterior shot. That was pretty cool, actually. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, listeners, I'm curious if you guys have a preference between the new VFX or the the original versions. Some you, feel free to write in and, and let us know. I'm really curious what you guys prefer. Um, Steve, which are you watching? Are you watching the new? I'm watching the new ones since I knew we would be speaking of those. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Huh. Um, there's so much going on. Do you, either of you guys have a scene you particularly like that we haven't brought up in this episode? No, I think um, you know the the Spock scenes with Chapel and um, obviously him and, and Kirk were were the best dramatic scenes. And, you know, you're you're right that the the humor with O'Malley or O'Reilly. Yeah, those were good fun. Yeah, I'd have trouble narrowing it down. I mean, I think we've covered just about everything of note, really. I, I did, I did make note of how it was interesting, how important it was for Kirk, and we kind of addressed this already, to uh, appear together. You know, once, as we said, once Spock was losing it, and part of that is their friendship and knowing, oh, it's Spock's losing it. You know, but it's also that leadership thing of you know i've got to appear above all of this and that struggle you know he was going through the only thing this episode lacks and i only bring it up because riley specifically mentioned it but i would have liked to have seen a scene take place in the bowling alley (laughs) yes i'm not sure maybe that that kirk spock scene could have been over you know over a frame Kind of <laughs> yeah. or, I know what they same scene except they do it as they're putting on the bowling shoes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's that, it. that would have been. Mm-hmm. The, the real question is, what would Spock do if Kirk went over the line? <laughs> uh, the line must be drawn here. No further. <laughs> uh, what's this episode about, gentlemen? 
there's so much going on. I mean, you know, it's hard to pinpoint it. I mean, you know, like, you know, we get a lot of coming, you know, the crew kind of just kind of, kind of all comes together and works together to kind of solve this problem. Um, you could say unity. We talked about it with um, Spock and Kirk unity, you know, try helping somebody else who's, who's down. Um, it's not, it's, it wasn't, it's not like a clear cut, like some of the other episodes we're going to talk about today are. Um, well, for me, for me, part of it is, is just this, this disease that kind of, kind of removes your inhibitions, you know, and, and lets you see kind of a, a baser version off. of yourself, but it's still a true version. It's just missing some parts, you know, but just kind of coming to terms with, with, um, with who you really are and we can probably we'll probably have a you know tangentially related theme for the enemy within but that that's the kind of stuff that this episode makes me think about steve yeah i mean they, they talked about how it's like as an effect like alcohol you know so i mean the a version of oneself is coming through so the positive is you know there's a certain kind of freedom to losing one's inhibition but the danger is you know, there's a part of you that has to maintain control. So, you you know, for decision-making purposes and just getting through life and that kind of thing. And then that kind of, that kind of war, you know, I mean, part of it, I think is like what I mentioned with Kirk in a leadership role. I mean, you know, it's like, there's, there's, there's certain situations we've all encountered, whether you're talking about if alcohol is involved or any, or some kind of situation where your inhibitions have gone down, but where you're, you know, you have one, one thing pulling you toward, you know, fun-loving freedom. Nothing matters. I can do whatever. And another part, warring to keep it reined in and keep in control. And you know, we've got to get through life. And I mean, I, I I thought of that about that a lot with him. You know, getting on the bridge before you know he got his injection on his bare shoulder. But uh, you know, when he <laughs> you know he's got to you know got to keep it together. Got to make it through. You know, that kind of struggle. Cool. Well, these seem like. Uh, universal themes, which is, I'm sure, one of the aspects to this episode that helps it um, hold up so well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think I don't think this episode is just good. I mean, I think this is like, you know, incredible, amazing, one of the greatest hours of TV ever made. Good, I really think that. Um, I, I love this episode. Fantastic. <laughs> Let's do six degrees for the naked time. I will again remind not sure how I'm going to continue to do this, but I'll remind our listeners our traditional six degrees questions where I ask about an actor that has played the same role in other uh, series or movie, other Star Trek series or movies. Um, it's going to be a lot more difficult with the original series since um, you know, they weren't, uh, another, there wasn't another show a couple of years later where they were coming back. But whenever possible, I will ask those. And if not, then I'll just ask some generic trivia. So, uh, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. Majel Barrett appears for the first time as Nurse Christine Chapel. In how many episodes of the original series will she appear as Chapel? Was it 15, 25, or 35? Mm. <laughs> uh, no, 15. Uh, 15. Uh, 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 no. And I will not give that one to Adam since that would be. Well, there's still easy. two more. I'll get a 50 50 chance. Okay, all right. I'll give it to you. You give me half point. Uh, I'll just say 25. That is correct. 25. Adam. Barrett yes. also played Chapel in two of the original series features. The first was the motion picture. What was the second? Motion picture. See, I gave you the easy one. Everybody remembers in the motion picture. She was in another one. Yeah. 
not for long, but she was in another one. Has has a line. Um, goodness. I'm Should I say... give you a hint? I'll give you one sure. hint. Okay. She's. I'm pretty sure she's on Earth at the time. Would it be Star Trek Four? You're correct. It was Star Trek Four. Very good. All right. Uh, Adam has two. Moving on. The Enemy Within, Season 1, Episode 5, Production Code 5, Original Air Date, October 6th, 1966. Directed by Leo Penn, written by Richard Matheson, music composed by Saul Kaplan and Alexander Courage. Guest cast include Jim Goodwin as Farrell, Edward Madden as Fisher, Eddie Paskey as Connors, and Garland Thompson as Wilson. The Enterprise is on a geological exploration of planet Alpha-177. Geological technician Fisher is injured after a fall and transported aboard the Enterprise, though Chief Engineer Scott has some trouble with the transporter. Captain Kirk transports back next with the transporter working correctly. Soon after they leave, the transporter activates a second time, materializing a second version of Kirk. And what is it that makes one man an exceptional leader? We see here indications that it is his negative side which makes him strong. That his evil side, if you will, properly controlled and disciplined, is vital to his strength. The Enemy Within. Steve, why don't you start us on The Enemy Within? Yeah, uh, so I always thought this episode was interesting um, because of the you know, obvious opportunities to explore um, what makes up a person by splitting them, that kind of idea. And we've seen, we see this used in, in various ways um, throughout Trek, throughout other shows even because so i think it's kind of, but i think it's kind of a classic sci-fi idea um so i think from a psychological standpoint it's interesting um i don't know how much science as far as the psyche and some of the things they're proposing like the um quote-unquote bad evil negative dark side whatever of a person being where decision making you know this kind of stuff but i think that the, the notion is fascinating so so it's kind of a you know, let's explore Kirk. We also see a little bit of let's see a little bit of ship life and stuff like that too. Um, so I mean, it's very memorable. I mean, I, I've probably seen especially the early episodes of the original series many times. So to say that's memorable is kind of stupid because they're all I remember all of them. But um, but yeah, I always I always thought this was an interesting, thought-provoking episode. One thing that struck me with this episode, um, boy, that scene. With Rand and Evil Kirk, yeah. I did not remember it feeling so violent. Like you, he was going to rape her. Mm-hmm. You know, I do not ever remember watching this episode and the word rape coming into my brain. I I don't know. Maybe I'm an awful evil person, but I don't remember it feeling as violent as it did this time. I haven't watched it in years, but God, I didn't remember that. Um, that's that's kind of one of the things that kind of dates this episode because yeah, that scene is is pretty violent. I'm not saying that you know. That's not something that should be shown in dramatic television. But the um, I'll just jump to the end where where Spock is kind of teasing her about Kirk, and I'm like, well, dude, he tried to, you know. And I think that's just <laughs> yeah, more a product of the. I think that's just more of a product of the '60s and of the well, time. Well, the, the the violent scene, mm-hmm. I, I think, isn't the the scene the, the scene where Kirk confronts her. The very next scene when it's Kirk, Spock, and McCoy that certainly dates it because I don't think she'd be confronting her 
accuser yeah. like that. Right. Uh, and but then you're right, yeah. At the very very end, whenever Spock says it wasn't all bad, maybe maybe you liked it. Basically, you know, <laughs> it, that, that was that was pretty terrible. And, and, and you know, a, l- a little Vulcan smart feel terrible at the time actually. Um, but so those things dated. But the actual scene of the the, the actual violent scene, uh, I don't think feels. No, no, it's not I just think it feels far more violent than I ever remembered. I'm not sure why that is. Did you guys? Did you guys always feel it was pretty, pretty horrific and violent? No, I probably. I think I kind of feel the same way you did. I was like, wow, this is pretty. You know, he's pushing her around. You know, he's on top. You know, she claws. I remember the her, him scratching her, but I'm. Yeah, I don't think I remember being as taken aback even at a young age or ten years ago when I watched this. So I'd agree with you there. Have, has society just changed and now we see this differently or something? God, that I, sounds for evil people too. I, I think I think it is more that because I've seen this several times, but the you know the last time was maybe five years ago. Before that, there was a ten, a fifteen, you know, this kind of stuff. And and yeah, it struck me more that way too. But I I think it's a sensitivity and an awareness. Uh, I mean, I mean, it's not it's not a bad thing to say we've you know we've advanced where we're more sensitive to this kind of thing. I mean, I think that's a that's a that's a positive thing overall. But um, I think that's the primary reason we, that we all agree that it struck us more this time than it has in the past. Hmm. Um, yeah, I, I hate to say this, but I was I did not play this one for my five year old, and I was kind of glad that I did not. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Um, Adam, what what are some of your first thoughts here for uh, the enemy within? I like this episode. I'm, you know, for a lot of the same reasons um, you and Steve, have, or at least Steve, has said that you know it's interesting facet to kind of look at one's dark side and light side, and you know, split those things up. An interesting look at the psyche. Um, what makes up a what makes up a person? What makes up really, you know, Captain Kirk? Um, you know, we kind of get, you know, through this, we get a little bit more character development through him early on in this, in this series, what kind of man he is, what kind of leader and how he, you know, uses, uses his light and dark side to help him command. Um, um, I, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, make fun of William Shatner for overacting, but I, I, I don't know. I always enjoyed it. I, you know, I enjoyed his portrayal of, you know, the, the evil Kirk. I mean, it's, it's over the top, oh, but I think it's, he's, yeah, he's great. I think he's yeah, great. It's, yeah, it's it's really it's I, I enjoyed it. It's you know it was you know to me it's I don't know it was never really over. I mean I think the thing with with Shatner is like some of the goofy stuff where he's like jumping around and you know his stunt work is kind of sometimes can kind of be funny. But I I just I enjoyed him in this episode. His work. Yeah, and, yeah uh, you know that's uh, that scene. Um, Oy vey, I don't know. It's maybe two thirds into the episode. Um, they're kind of they're walking out of the transporter room, I think, and um, um, Spock reminds Kirk that he needs to, you know, maintain his confident appearance to the crew to be good leader or whatever. And and Kirk says, I don't know why I forgot that just now. You please remind me again. There, I mean, there's a lot more in that scene uh, than that, but you know that is. It was it was so good and it was so like again I'm just blown away that this is all so established already mm-hmm. you know um, again to such insight into their relationship you know um, and then they're both so good and they they are 
like their their characters are already so well defined and yes there's some good writing here but their performance is so good you know and and their their characters are just it's just like you know kirk is and you would know who spock is Mm -hmm. so completely um I take that a little step further. I mean, we get the we get a scene. We get to me. We get the kind of the first scene with um, McCoy and Spock dueling for their viewpoints with Kirk. You know. Um, oh know, yeah. Whenever he says, "Somebody make the decision for me," right? You know. And uh, Spock says, "Are you relinquishing your command?" He says, "No." And then McCoy says, "Well, then you have to decide. We can't decide." And it's so clear that Spock is in. With that point, Spock is in complete agreement with McCoy. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, they are on the same page in that, even though they want Kirk to take different actions. Yeah, but, you know, we kind of get that dynamic of, you know, it's, um, you know, because a lot of the times it's McCoy's version, it's Spock's version, and you get, you know, a, a full Kirk who who listens to both of them and and, and takes their con- con- counsel. Um, I think this is kind of, yeah, to me, this is the first time we get to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, who's that guy opportunity. A lot of who's that guy. Yeah, yes. yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. And the funny part is, most of the time it's just from behind. Like, really, you couldn't you couldn't find somebody that looks a little bit more like Phil <laughs> from behind. <laughs> How hard is that? I think one of the guys had some gray hair in the back of his. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he totally did. <laughs> if you were watching oh. this episode with the sound down, you would actually think that was supposed to be somebody else. You'd be like, you'd actually say. Who is that guy? Like, who's this supposed to be? I'm lost now. <laughs> well, no, no, that's not. This, this guy, no, who's the guy with the gray hair? <laughs> <laughs> is that Chapel or something? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, I suppose it's a bit on the nose and, you know, kind of a literal metaphor by today's standards, but I like. Uh, I like it when Kirk, you know, embraces his bad half, like literally right. <laughs> embraces the guy. Um, you know, I, I think that it, I think it works. I think I really do. And yeah. um, then he takes him into the transporter. Um, I, I think this is a good episode. Um, you know, it's not negative time good, but it's, I think it's good. I think it's good. I think it has, I think it's trying to say a lot. Um, there are a couple of times when it feels a little clunky going back and forth to the planet. I mean, I, I like that that ticking clock. Um, that story is is good. You actually get to see, you know, Sulu in peril, and I mean that's kind of interesting. And I just feel like sometimes um, it doesn't what? happen to do with the main story somehow. So it feels like we're cutting away from. The feeling like is why couldn't they beam down some blankets at least? Who cares if those double up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But of course, you can tell it was made before they decided there was a um, shuttle bay with shuttles. And <laughs> right, right. I, mean, I think I they made it a little. I think they made it a little too cold. I think they would have frozen to death within a matter yeah, of minutes. That that, like, stretch, like, yeah, that was a stretch. Yeah, one hundred and twenty oh, yeah. blow. Yeah, come on. <laughs> no, it was like one hundred and seventeen blow at some place. Yeah, I was like, good lord, they'd be frozen. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> With those little blank, you know, those little windbreaker blankets. <laughs> um, I have. Um, yeah, it was particularly effective when my son was younger. But this Star Trek Book of Opposites book 
Uh, yeah, I, I sent one to Steve when his mm-hmm. uh, baby was born. But there, there's a one of the pictures in there is um, there's you know so it's like opposites. There's one that's like hot and it's Chekhov, you know, sweating from that episode. But then then the cold is a close up of Zulu with all the frost on his face. <laughs> oh, so I couldn't help but think about that. I've read that book to him so many times when he was younger. Uh, that every time I saw Sula, I was like, cold. You guys have a favorite scene in this one? You know, actually, before that, what what do you guys think of um, Rand? You know, she's got a lot to do here. I think, maybe, is it the Grow Ups episode where she has... Maybe the most to do? Am I thinking? Oh, uh, yeah, probably. And then not long after that, where they canned her. But um, I think she's pretty good here, actually. Um, yeah, I'd agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's a pretty intense scene with her and Bill. I mean, you know, like we, we mentioned the rape scene. That's got to be, it's, they both did a fabulous job. It's, and that'd be kind of tough to do mentally. Yeah, you know, you already can see how she couldn't be in this show for its run you know mm-hmm. um, because how would he ever go to anybody else <laughs> yeah and that's not the Kirk that they that they were writing um, that's not the show they wanted to make but they've kind of already even in, in this episode it feels like they've backed her character into a corner um Um, but you know, what you guys you guys like her? I thought she was good. Yeah, yeah, she did well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay. Last thing before what it's about. Any any scene in particular that uh, stood out to you? Um, you know, I enjoyed the. I you know the most dramatic scene for me was you know I was and when both Kirks were on the bridge and you know Kirk is pleading with himself um as funny as that sound sounds i like i said i also enjoyed the. i don't want to die i don't want to die <laughs> i also like i mentioned earlier i enjoyed this i enjoyed the scene with um, i want to live i want to live for you for anybody out there go um da- go to a website called slap kirk you'll enjoy it you'll get a lot of um, stuff from this episode anyway um there's a, a the scene with kirk spock and mccoy where they're arguing back and forth enjoyed that as well yeah, I think we talked about that already, but yeah, I like the one where they're good Kirk or whatever is talking about, you know, making decisions in the Spock and McCoy and all that interaction. I like that. Uh, I want to ask about maybe maybe it was present. Maybe it was this way on our last podcast for the first three uh, aired episodes, but um, I noticed it today in the captain's logs. We've got Kirk talking about like. Like telling us things that even Kirk doesn't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, got, yeah. I, that. Yeah. I think we get it more in the next. There's an imposter running around the ship, or we didn't know it yet, but everybody is. It's uh, kind of like the narrator. Yeah, so it's it's a weird kind. Of, I mean, it totally works, and I think that it's especially for an audience in 1966 that, you know, this whole thing is incredibly foreign to them. I can see how, you know, having a quick bit about, I was split into two halves, you know. But is it is it weird at all that because the captain's log, you don't normally think of it as being something 
it's usually what's going on right now. But I mean, there'll there'll be one where he's like running down because the ship is gonna, you know, crash into the planet, and he's running down uh, to engineering to help out, and you hear a captain's log explaining what's going on. It's like it's not like he stopped and recorded a captain's log on the way, you know. So yeah, it's kind of, yeah, I, kind of, I I noticed that too, and I just you know I just suspended my disbelief like this is just. Kirk telling the story afterwards. I mean, yeah, it's it's different than any other shows. Does this? I I don't remember if this continues throughout the. I think series. they kind of go away from that a bit. I mean, I think this is an early phenomenon in it. Oh, I mean, I, I, series, you mean? Yeah, I think so. Okay. From memory, if memory serves, I think it does work, but it, it, it is a different tone. It does strike a different tone a little bit. Yeah. Okay. What's this episode about, gentlemen? Um. This one's kind of obvious, you know, the the good and evil side, the good and the bad in each of us, you know, the the struggles between, you know, the light and the dark that goes on, you know, just the internal conflicts that everybody has inside of them that, you know, if you split those up, what is that like? You know, that's what it felt like for me. Your 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 dark sides define you as much as your light sides do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like, I like mm-hmm. that bit with um, McCoy where he says, your courage comes from your your light side. Yeah, that's interesting because, too. Because the evil Kirk down there, the dark Kirk, is afraid. afraid, and you were not. You know, I like yeah. that. Yeah, it, and, and it's kind of this notion of it's not so simple. Nor would we want to purge what we just don't like about ourselves. You know, if you if you try to isolate some little element. I mean, there's it'd be exceptions to this, I suppose, but you know, on the whole, there are elements of a personality. Just about anybody would say, "Oh, I wish I wasn't that way" or something, you know. But in reality, all of that comes together to make up who you are, and you don't know what would happen if you take out that big component, you know. I mean, and so it's it's kind of this rare opportunity in science fiction to to do exactly that and evaluate it. So it's interesting. I, I was briefly reminded of. Um... Star Trek Five, actually. How many times does that happen to you in life? No, I um, the same thing. Yeah, where, where Kirk is like, I, I don't want to erase my pain. I need my pain. You know, my yes, pain yes. is one of the many things that defines me. Yeah. And you know, this is this is a common theme, I think, for all the captains and all the shows. You know, that um, that struggle between doing the right thing and the wrong thing. I think we see it more in Cisco. You know, he sometimes has to do the bad thing to to get to get to the good thing. So, I mean, it kind of sets up the, you know, it's, you know, as, as we look at say Spock, you know, we can see, you know, he's got two, you know, he's an alien and he's human and he's got this internal conflict going on. But a lot of the times that the, you see that there, there's the internal conflict and the captain between the good and the bad and how far to take something or the moral line um, for the captain. Cool. All right. Another good episode. This this Star Trek thing might work out. They should they should keep it going. Maybe more series. <laughs> they should wait ten years and just put it in syndication. I think. Uh, all right, that's good. Um, <laughs> we'll wait ten years or five years. Make, they... make a movie. All right, let's do six degrees for the enemy within. Adam has two. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. William Shatner gets a rare opportunity to fight himself in this episode. In which original series feature does he fight himself? Which movie does he fight himself? Oh, that would be Star Trek VI, Undiscovered That's Country. That's right, The Undiscovered Country. Uh, Steve, most of the two Kirk FX shots were just doubles. You know, stunt doubles or, you know, uh, actor doubles, whatever. Um, 
how many were actual split screen VFX where you saw where you saw you know Shatner's face times two? Were there two, three, or four? Hmm. I remember that happening, but I can't recall every instance. Uh, two. You are correct. There were two. All right. Uh, three, one. Moving on. Mud's Women, season one, production code four, original October 13th, 1966, directed by Harvey Hart, story by Gene Roddenberry, teleplay by Stephen Candle, music composed by Fred Steiner. Guest cast include Roger C. Carmel as Harry Mudd, Karen Steele as Eve McCurran, Susan Denberg as Magda Kovacs, Maggie Threat as Ruth Bonaventure, Gene Donarski as Ben Childress, John Kowal as Herm Gossett, Simon Glass as Benton, Jim Goodwin as Farrell, and Jerry Foxworth as Guard. The Enterprise, in pursuit of a J-class cargo spaceship, overloads its engines in an escaped attempt through an asteroid field. Kirk orders the Enterprise shields extended around the spacecraft until the cargo ship's occupants can be transported aboard. The passengers, Leo Francis Walsh and three stunningly beautiful women, beam over just as an asteroid impacts and destroys the ship. Mr. Spark will supply you with any legal information you may need for your defense. You're a hard-nosed one, Captain. And you're a liar, Mr. Walsh. I think we both understand each other. Security? Adam, you left. Go. Mud's women. Mud's women. It's, um, Mud's definitely a memorable character. I forget how many. He he comes back in some more episodes, right? And this isn't the last we see of Mud. Or am I incorrect? Yeah, he's got another episode, live action episode, um, season two, I believe. And then I'm Mud. And then uh, they bring the same actor back to do the voice in an animated series episode, which I do not remember the name of. So, So, yeah, I mean, it's a memorable, memorable character. I would. You know, of the three episodes that we talked to, talked about today, this would to me this is kind of the weakest. But I, I don't think it's a bad episode. Um, um, I don't know. It's it, the the effects are cool. The asteroid belt, the starship, you know, being bored. But um, yeah. I mean, I don't. I, like I said, I think I, I think I got spoiled with the first two episodes that we watched because I watched well, all yeah, back was- to back. When um, Gene Roddenberry first laid out his ideas, like this is what Star Trek's going to be in spring of 64, so a long time, you know, a couple of years before this actually happened, he had like several little one cent ideas for episodes. And this was actually among those. So this is so early compared to, you know, before locking down things in the show. Um, the weirdness. For me, this episode is how much of it isn't Kirk or a crew, especially after all the other episodes we watched, especially after the other t- today. Um, you know where it's it's all about our crew. It's mostly about Kirk and a fair amount about Spock, at least in um, Naked Time. But Mud's women, uh, and I, I like I like Harry Mud. I think he's I think he's fun. I think the actor is really sells it well he's 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 a blast um but especially by like i don't know the the last act of this episode it feels like you're watching another show while briefly you know not briefly that's my point is it it's not briefly. it feels like you're watching another show for a while 
you, you almost forget about the Enterprise and Kirk and everything. Uh, whenever it's Eve with oh, oh the minor, uh, I forget, it's Childress. You mm-hmm. know? Um, so that, there's that aspect of it that it's not bad. You know, again, show me 99% of other television from 1966, and it would probably be unwatchable for, for <laughs> us today. I don't think really about this episode. Yeah. But I do think that this episode has has issues with, um, for, for the stuff, all the stuff in it that is good and fun, like Harry Mudd. I'm glad they brought him back for a different episode. Um, it, it has other stuff in it that, well, like, like the, the value that it places on beauty um, is a little weird. It doesn't. I don't feel like it really comes back around as far as it could have or should have, or, or especially Eve. You know, she's kind of the most defined of those three women, um, and I don't know. She's like, doesn't she tell us some story about wanting to get away of just taking care of? I don't remember her, her siblings, brothers, or I believe, yeah, maybe some other men, yeah, something like that. Um, and you get to the end, and I, I don't know. There's this this sense of like she should be she should feel liberated once she realizes that she can be confident without that drug, but she's not making any different decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, no. It's um, it's just it's just it's like a few different scenes that are kind of glued together. Um, and it's there's like bumps getting from one to the other. I, I don't know. It's a little, and that and that stuff makes it feel a little dated too. Um, more than in a way, more than the other episodes we've discussed today. Um, a lot more to me. Um, but okay. I still there's still plenty of things that I enjoy and I like, and I don't think this is terrible. Um, but it is, it it, it I feel it. It feels dated. There's um I think this is the first episode I think we mentioned this in next gen I, I was because it's like you know the dilithium crystals burn out I'm like the crystals are so important why wouldn't you keep extras on the ship when when you have <laughs> like twenty of them but I mean this is kind of an ongoing theme throughout Trek is like at some point in every series the dilithium crystal craps out and they gotta go find one and it's like why wouldn't you have an extra yeah um, silly Star Trek um, trivia in this episode it's it's just lithium, not dilithium. Maybe <laughs> quickly change dilithium. It'll be dilithium very soon and stay that way for the rest of Star Trek. But this particular episode is just lithium, and that sounds like a drug. Like I'm high on lithium, man. That's what it sounds like to me. Mm-hmm. I think another problem. I think I thought another problem I had with this episode. It just kind of seemed like Kirk's character was kind of he was completely out of control. He had no control over Mud or yeah. That's what I'm talking that, about. It feels like you're watching something else, and Kirk just kind of on the side. Yeah, I mean, because, yeah. like, all of a sudden, they're all on the planet. I'm like, why would he allow those girls to go down to the planet? This is not really bargaining very well, because, you know, because they're, they're going to have to bargain for these crystals. And I don't know, just there are a lot of plot points that seem to just move the story along that didn't really make a whole lot of sense. Go ahead, and I'll let Steve talk. Yeah, I mean, in that regard, yeah, it's kind of, it's like Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. It's not really Frankenstein, is it? It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just that it's not, it doesn't feel like Star Trek or something, right? So, I mean, it's... um. It, and and I and I back to the point about the, yeah, it's dated because it's it's sexist. I mean, it's you know, but it's it's an interesting, um, you know, in, from a historical standpoint, you can you get a feel for well, you know, if this if this was passable as 
this was the norm, that means here's what was a common commonly held beliefs about, you know, the genders places in society if, if they're if they're playing this up like it was. So in that sense you get a you know in nineteen sixty six you mean in, in 1966, 1966 yeah. yeah. In okay, 1966, yeah. you this is was the common view. So you know we learn more from fiction than we do from a documentary about life a lot of times, and that that's 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 interesting from that perspective. Yeah, it, it makes it it makes it dated more dated by far than the others, and, and I'm sure I think any of them we've seen so far, any of the episodes we've reviewed so far, it's 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 sexist in that way, and so it's it's hard to relate, you know, and and because of that, and because of some pacing issues and because of you know getting away from our characters to such an extent it you know that's it, what i think makes it a, a bit weak at times hmm. um um i like the scene uh with the computer um <laughs> good old major i assume um <laughs> Where the computer is like, where where Mud says his name is Walsh, and the computer says incorrect. <laughs> He's a lying a hole. That's what it sounds. She's actually saying. Um, <laughs> uh, but I, I like the way he gets annoyed with the computer. That that whole scene I think is probably the the best example of the Harry Mud that I enjoy, and and why I want to see him come back in in you know a more appropriate episode. Um, and I actually I remember I mud far better than I remember muds women. It is it's I mud right or is it yeah yeah that's right mm-hmm. yeah okay I remember that episode even if I don't remember the title so <laughs> I remember that episode far better than I remember muds women you know because uh, um, even here it it by the end it doesn't even feel like it's about Harry Mud let alone Kirk and crew right mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. about Eve and Childress sure. Um, Correct me if I'm wrong. Do they use um, is there is there a mud reference in Into Darkness, the shuttle? Uh, yes, and the cargo ship. Yeah. Is that what they uh, to... That was done in. You know, I was so I was so nutty about. It was either a comic book they told that story, or it was the video game. It was the comic book, right? Which it was one of the IDW comics where they had that. I remember that now. Yeah, it's been it's been a few years, but yes, they 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 had that whole story in the comic. That set up them, that ship that they take to go to uh, Kronos, um, that they got from Harry Mudd, right? Yeah. The video game thing was the scene where, oh, this is not related to anything. The scene when McCoy tells Carol Marcus that he delivered Gorn babies. That scene was in the video game. <laughs> the video game was terrible. Did not play it. Okay. Um, so, is this just growing pains, this episode? This is more like what you would expect for the beginning of a show when they haven't found the show yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm glad they didn't air this sooner. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing is, I mean, you know, I, part of it is Harry Mudd is a comedic character, right? Yeah. Sure. This isn't really a comedic episode. That's probably another reason that he worked better. If my memory right. is... That's, that's true, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I agree. he worked better in iMud and probably that animated series, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. What's this episode about, guys? No, I think it's trying to do the whole, um, you know, confidence in yourself is where your beauty comes from slash placebo effect of the phenomenon, all that kind of stuff, I think. And I mean, it, that that comes across. And I don't think it's totally lost. Like they failed in bringing that out. It's just it's so on the nose and, you know, all the other reasons that, that kind of make some some this not the best or whatever kind of drag it down but i do think that's what they're trying to convey and i think it comes across more or less yeah i mean i would agree with steve but i think because of the the reasons that we mentioned earlier in the podcast it it kind of doesn't hold up that message doesn't hold up just because um they're trying to that's what they're trying to say but i don't think it's reinforced by the way the story ends or the way they um they try and, you know, what we talked about, trying to, to place women and men in, in these certain roles. Yeah, so it's, it, I mean, yeah, she's ultimately wants to be the best she can be for other people, not for herself, for this guy or for whatever, you know. And so let me be as impressive as I can be and believe in myself. And, oh, it's great you believe in yourself, but it's so you can be subservient to somebody else, you know what I mean? So. Hmm. Huh. <sighs> All right. Let's do six degrees for Mud's women. Um, Adam has three. Steve has one. Adam? Yes. Gene Donarski plays Ben Childress, the minor that decides maybe he likes smart women as well as attractive women. Uh, yeah, this is a real six degrees question for me. <laughs> In the original series' third season... Original series, third season episode, uh, The Mark of Gideon. He played Krodak, a member of the Gideon Council. Krodak beams to the Enterprise to prove to the Enterprise crew that the transporters are working after which member of the Enterprise crew went missing while beaming down to the Gideon Council chambers. Kurt? That, that is true. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Steve? Donarski also played Commander Quinteros in the first season of Next Gen. Uh, Quinteros uh, introduced the Binars to Picard and the Enterprise. Name the episode. Oh, yeah, he was that guy. Yeah, yeah he was that guy. Huh? That, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> uh, is it 1101001? You are correct. Nice. All right, Adam takes it for the nay, but not by a lot. Yeah, all right. Hey guys, we got the news this week. I, I thought this was really funny. Okay, so my I start seeing all the Star Trek headlines. All the Star Trek websites are reporting, other just general entertainment news sites reporting, Twitter's going nuts, everybody's saying Star Trek Discovery is delayed until May. Star Trek Discovery, delayed till May. Delayed till May, delayed till May, right? Right. Mm-hmm. The official Star Trek.com email blast says, <laughs> I swear to God, Star Trek Discovery announces new launch date exclamation where <laughs> <laughs> that maybe that's that spin folks mm-hmm. i'm not terribly surprised they had to push it it just seems like yeah they don't, they don't even have a cast yet right yeah no i hey it makes the show better i'm i'm all for it and that's not that that long um it's a shame i mean we weren't really getting it for the 50th anniversary anyway i guess still it'll be that 
calendar that that 12 month period if you're not the actual same calendar time but you know that's fine we got we had a movie that which is coming out on video in november so that'll be you know more fun stuff to get to watch and stuff so um, i'm okay with it if it makes the show better mm. um maybe we'll get you know maybe they'll spend a little more time teasing us with info about it along the way that could be fun but like i said to you adam like i think i texted you uh you know <laughs> i think i said in other news um brian's monthly subscription fee to <laughs> cbs all access delayed until may <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> um i want to take one minute to say um i we've been doing this podcast a long time and this is the first time this happened i had um a listener named uh jeremy email me about a 50th anniversary party that uh the la star trek fan group the uss angeles uh were throwing this was like this uh what the saturday after the 50th anniversary so so a couple of days after our last episode posted and uh, jeremy invited me and i was incredibly grateful that he that he took the time to do that and i went there and it was and it was cool you know we um talked to some other folks everybody was nice and um uh, they had a gentleman there talking about uh, give a little presentation on music of the original series, which was cool. And then, then they had a uh, Jason. No, that's not his name. The, the actor that played Cupcake um, in in oh, okay. JJ's Star Trek movie. And he, and he was actually he was in all three movies. He, in fact, even Star Trek Beyond. He worked three months on Star Trek Beyond. He he spent time in Canada and. and in Dubai, he worked three months on it, and then they, they cut him out of the whole episode. But he had he had scenes um, where the villain kills him with that "suck the life out of you" thing. Hmm. Um, he was, I think, he was his scene of that was the original way they showed that. But then they rewrote some stuff and shot some new scenes, and he ended up getting cut out of it. But you know, um, in fact, he was he was in Into Darkness a lot more than he was by the time it was finally cut together. He was originally killed by a Klingon in that fight, but. Uh, they cut that out. That's how he was able to come back for that. So even though his kid was on the cutting room floor, and now that happened again, so maybe he'll be in the next one. Um, but anyway, you know, of course, you remember his his biggest scene was in the first movie when he had that mm-hmm. bar jerk. But um, I asked him. I asked him. Um, yeah, I mean, it was a small group. There were like, I don't know, maybe maybe twenty people, maybe. Um, but it was very kind of him to come by and talk to us for, I don't know, at least 30 minutes or so and uh, answer our questions. And I asked him uh, if he could talk about the difference between working with JJ and, and Justin. Um, and uh, you know, I, I'll make it short. Basically, you know, he said, you know, Justin's great, but JJ is just, he said, JJ is like the most amazing guy ever. He's, he talked about JJ, like just knows everything anybody could possibly know about filmmaking and um he said he's a good guy. Like he, he said, you know, he, he meets you once and he'll remember your name forever. That that kind of guy, you know. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. Um, so he was he was really just gushing about JJ, talking about how awesome JJ is. Um, so anyway, that was a, it was a, it was a fun night, you know. And um, I just I really really appreciate that Jeremy invited me. And, uh, and he probably won't be hearing me say that for a long time because he's actually he started a quest where he's watching he's watching Star Trek chronologically. So, or no, because he finished Enterprise. 
but it wasn't the point was somehow he wasn't going to be watching original series next hmm. that would that's not accurate then it's not chronological now i can't remember what he's doing but the point is he's he won't be listening to these uh, original series discussions for a long time so uh years from now when you get here um Hi, Jeremy. <laughs> okay, sure. I mean, thanks for inviting you know, me. So, yeah. Thanks, Jeremy. I actually, do you remember this, Steve? This is, well, no, Adam, you came to one. I, I used to throw every five years. I remember I threw a party for the 30th the and the 35th. Not the 25th. I did. I definitely did 30 and 35. Yeah, I was at the 35th, and, I think. That was in 01, yeah. right? 35? I was at your 30th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was, yeah, yeah, right. So each of you guys <laughs> came to a different one. I didn't do one for the 45th because uh, I went to the creation thing in in Chicago, which was that weekend. And mm-hmm. that's where I saw you guys then too. But, yeah, um, so we, we um, that was, so the 35th one, yeah, that's my sister. We came over to your little, um, I don't know if I would call it an apartment that you lived in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember. Pretty small, huh? It's like efficiency. This, hey, folks, I was in college, okay. It's like an efficiency, only smaller. <laughs> that was a crazy one. Yeah, then then the next day we went and saw Shatner, right? At the convention. That's the first time I got oh, to meet him. Oh, Plano. Yeah. And then you know, two days later was 9-11, so that was like a crazy four days, right? Yeah, that was that was nutty. <sighs> okay. So, um, thanks again. And until next time, take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.